Join us on a journey through the business wilderness as we bring you the inside scoop on what it means to be an entrepreneur. Our guests bring real-life experience and insight into what it takes to forge your own entrepreneurial path. Welcome to the Business Wilderness. Ahmed Al-Huli here with you, your host of, of the show. Today we have a very special guest, Miss Kim Parnell, the co-founder of Get Blank. Kim, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, I'm well. How's things? Good, good. Everything is, it's beautiful summer in Toronto, so I'm, it's a good day. <laughs> uh, awesome. Cold, cold winter here in Melbourne, Australia. So I'm sure it's pretty cool. <laughs> just quickly, <laughs> straight into things, I guess. So Kim, where what are you currently working on? Uh, where did it all start for you? Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I am the co-founder of Blank, which is a software automation platform. So we have a platform that automates app development. And we are still in pre-launch. So um, it's not out just yet, but we've been working on this for just over two years. And how that all came to be is I, I do have a long history of, of business and being an entrepreneur, but right before this business, I was attempting and trying to launch an app business and I don't have a development background. I'm not a software programmer or a developer. I mean, I can make a website, but I wasn't able to build a mobile app. So I, you know, you don't really know what you don't know until you start getting into it and going through the process of actually creating an app and getting it into market. So I learned a lot along that process. I actually did hire someone to build an app for me. I spent a lot of money. I ended up wanting to make changes and that was even more money. So I looked to find a technical co-founder. And I mean, we can dive into any part of this if you want to at some point, but I'll just give you the really, you know, the really brief overview. So I looked for a technical co-founder and in finding that person, I met my partner, Paul, who I work with now. And he had a product that automated the backend development of a mobile app. So originally, we actually joined forces to work on my first idea and use his automation backend tool to build my app. But through the process of working together, after a couple of months, we started hypothesizing that we could automate the entire app development process. And because I had struggled so much with that, and also just being in the startup community, you know, you meet a ton of people who were in the exact same predicament I was. So we, we figured out if, if we could do that, and the answer to that was yes, and that is what we are working on now, and that's known as Blank. So Blank allows anyone who's not a developer to be able to build an app. Wow. Um, so you can basically build any app that the uh, consumer needs. It doesn't matter how big or small or large the, um, the app is. Yeah, I mean, I'm, there are some restrictions, of course, you know, like there's some types of apps that just won't work, um, whether they don't work with the with what we are intending to build for the platform right now, or some of them will just never work because we won't make the platform to support that. So examples of ones that aren't going to work are more games, you know, a lot of a lot of games, anything that's like Clash of the Clans or anything like that, that's not going to be what you're going to use blank for. Also, yeah. oddly enough, some weird apps like like an alarm clock or something like that. Those types of apps that don't really, they're not data driven. Yeah. Those apps are not what Blank is used for, but I'd say any, I could pick up any random person's phone and 
a good 90% of the apps on their phone would be able to, that type of app you can build with Blink. Oh, wow. Awesome. I mean, that that makes things really, really, really handy because, you know, nowadays every, everybody's looking for, for that next breakthrough and everybody wants, wants to build an app. So I, I, I definitely believe it's an area where you, you can definitely grow and progress and move forward. Um, just a quick question about your, your co-founder. So why Paul? What, what are some of the, the qualities and features that, that made you say, all right, here's the one? Because when you have a, a concept or a, a startup business and you're looking to bring in a co-founder, I mean, many doubts go through your head and you come across many individuals, but then you finally nail it and you say, oh, yeah, here's the one that I, I believe can help me take my business to, to, to the next level, who, who can add value. Because at the end of the day, when you're bringing in co-founders and partners, they have to add different value to what to what you add. Otherwise, there's no use having the, the same people. So, yeah, just... It's, yeah, go on. yeah, that's very true. And I do a lot of interviews. And it's disappointing how infrequently I get asked this question. So I'm very happy to talk about this. And I'm, I'm excited that you're asking me about, about co-founders and about choosing partners, because I just think it's such an integral part to building a business. And literally no one talks about it. No one asks me this question. So <laughs> and I have a lot yeah. of opinions. So um, this is, this is my third, I guess, official business, but I have started other mini businesses. I, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs go through the same thing where they have an idea and they kind of get going on something and then maybe they realize it's not what they want to do and they, they kind of change into something else. So this would be my third business where I've actually been running it for a significant amount of time. And like, it's on my LinkedIn, you know, it's official. Yeah. And I've had many different, I've had business partners and the process that I go through and I can only speak from personal opinion, but I think that it's very much like finding someone that you're going to date or that you're going to marry for that matter. It's a very committed relationship, obviously without the romantic element, but it's an extremely committed relationship. So a lot of it is what the person has as far as skill and what they can bring to the business and their strengths and their weaknesses. But a huge part of it is personality and just whether or not you like each other. Like you have to enjoy that person's company. Like you have to enjoy talking to that person. You have to, uh, you have to have some similar values and beliefs and definitely beliefs and values about the company. And that's something I think a lot of people don't talk about enough when they start talking to potential business partners, you know, though. And I mean, my first business partner, we actually didn't do this. We were friends previously. So I knew we got along on a personal level, but we never really sat down and talked about what our vision for the company was like where we saw this going in one year and three years in five years. And Luckily, it all worked out okay, but we realized during the, the time that we ran the business that maybe we had a couple, you know, differences of opinion in some of those things. So when you're meeting someone and considering working with them, of course, you want to make sure you have complementary skill sets. You don't, you want some overlap, but you don't want to just get a, re you don't want a replica of yourself because that's not helping you, right? Especially when you're strapped for cash as most startups are. Of you want course. to have someone that brings in a different skill set. Yeah. But having those conversations about, what excites you about the business what you know what part of the product is it you feel is really going to be impactful where you see it going what you're looking to do in the world the change you want to make so all those kind of conversations and even just things like you know is this something that you're thinking you're going to do for two years and you hope we get bought or are you anticipating this is going to be the next 10 years of your life 
running this business. And there might not be, you know, we can't predict the future, but you want to be somewhat on the same page there, right? Like if one partner is looking to get in and out really quick and just make a bit of money and someone else wants this to be their, their next 10, 15 year journey, there's going to be conflict there. Yeah. So having some of those, and they're, they're the same kind of questions you would you would talk to someone about when you're getting serious about a, a relationship heading towards marriage, right? It's like, where do you want to live? Do you want to live in a big city or do you want to live on a farm? You know, do you want kids? Do you not want kids? It's, it's similar types of questions, but obviously different criteria, right? Like, do you want to sell this business? Do you want to keep it forever? Are you open to either option? You know, things like that. But uh, as far as skill set goes, I was only looking at people that had complementary skill sets to myself. So that already eliminated a lot of people as far as the pool. I was only looking at people that did have technical ability and could develop software. And then it really just came down to being matching on all the other things. So were we similar in our amount of work ethic, right? Because that causes a lot of problems with partners too, where one person maybe is doing it part-time outside of their nine to five. Another person is working full-time every day and eating tuna and rice because they don't have maybe a full-time job and there ends up being a lot of animosity there. So both Paul and I work on it full-time. We were both very, we are still both very committed to the business uh, that that we're matching on that element. He's actually, you know, he, he works, I think like 80 hours a week. He's a machine. So he works like crazy and that's, you know, obviously a good thing in a partner, I think. Um, and That's awesome. just similar values as far as where we want to do the business. Okay. That's, I mean, that's great that you, you, you both have the same vision uh, and you both add di- different value to the business. Um, so in terms of the business, w- which markets are you guys looking to tap into? Which markets do you see deficiencies in that you guys can re- really capitalize on? Sure. So the technology can be applied in a few different ways, but where it started, because it came from our own need, is being able to develop apps rapidly, inexpensively, and for anyone who doesn't know how to code. So the startup or entrepreneurial market is a huge one, although a lot of those people... Pardon? It's flying right now. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Except that there may be an issue where a lot of those people don't have a lot of money or they're, or they're not, uh, you know, they don't really know what they're getting themselves into. So a lot of first time entrepreneurs or founders, they see the gold rush and they want to chase it. But then once they actually start going, they realize it's a lot of work. So it's a bit of a volatile market, but of course uh, there's a huge market there and there's a big market of non-consumption as well. And that means just all the people who aren't actually building apps right now because they can't. So they either don't have 30, 40 grand to drop on a first product, or they don't have a technical person on their team that can build it, or they don't have, you know, a college roommate that is uh, willing to hook them up or whatever the case may be. So there's a big market of people who have ideas and are just doing nothing with them. And that's kind of, we're unable to quantify that market, but from our own question and answer and just talking to people that we know, we know that there's a lot of people in that bucket. And then there's the category of people who are actively trying to pursue a business that has a piece of technology as part of it. So that market is is kind of our first approach. We have a lot of connections in the startup world. So that would be where we start. But it also has a lot of advantages because the technology that we're building 
you are able to build apps quite easily and they take very little bandwidth when you are using them on your phone. You don't, I mean, I won't get too heavy into, into the tech side of it, but some of the things that we're looking at, it allows you to use multiple apps within the same program. So there's a lot of opportunity there also in the developing world where not everyone has a laptop to do all their work on, but almost, you know, more and more people have a smartphone. So there's a lot of opportunity there as well that we're looking at. And then even just some enterprise stuff. I mean, that's a bit longer of a sales cycle, but it's, it's forever been a problem that businesses with, you know, huge multi-million dollar budgets still have issues with connecting legacy systems. So some of the stuff that we're looking at with some other partners are just being able to layer our technology on top of some other really interesting products people have developed that allow anyone from, you know, old school retail to banking to whoever to be able to connect some of those software systems that they use and create really simple apps for their people in the field to just be able to pull up reports and check on the status of whatever they happen to be interested in. Definitely makes life life easier for for many, many people, I guess. Um, just moving forward, uh, what what difficulties or constraints do you guys see see yourselves facing? Sure, there's a lot. <laughs> um, one of them, the, the biggest one that we have right now, I'd say, is it has has been education. It's it's coming, it's getting to be a little bit better. But because Blank is an innovative product, I, I mean, a lot of people want to claim they're the first or a lot of people want to say that they're revolutionary and there's nothing else like them that exists. Truthfully, that's really hard because it's very hard to explain to people what your product does when there's no frame of reference. It's a lot easier to say, oh, we're like, this but different in this way or better because of this when it's something that's quite foreign it, you're you have a much harder time not only getting potential customers to understand but getting even investors to understand what you're doing of course and be, yeah and our, and our product is at its core it's technology and then we are kind of wrapping it in the oh we can help startup founders build apps quickly but really this technology can be applied in a variety of different ways so being able to explain to an investor, let's say, how you're going to take it to market does require for you to either get them to understand the technology piece or get them to understand and get on board with the product that you are developing and the market that you're going after. So it, it, that's been our biggest challenge, I'd say. But it actually, thanks to social media and thanks to you know content and me just talking to anyone and everyone who will listen, that's come a long way. And there are a lot of people now who... Uh, you know, they'll pair it back to me and they'll say, oh, I know what you're doing. You're making that, you have that product that makes apps. And I love when I hear that because I'm like, okay, even if it's not 100% accurate, whatever these people are saying, they're at least starting to understand what we're doing. And that's, that's been our biggest challenge. And after that, I would say, and that's the biggest challenge for sure, is getting people to understand and, and really uh, get a grasp of what the product is. Okay, um, so we know you mentioned earlier startups. You know they're they're pretty uh, capital poor. Uh, they don't have much money when they when when they're starting off. Um, do you guys facilitate or service for early stage startups with not much capital? Well, in a way. So, I mean, we don't give anyone money, if that's what you mean. But no, no. the way that blank... <laughs> no, I didn't mean that at all. I mean, in terms of price point. 
obviously. Yeah. yeah, so the way that blank works is completely opposite to how apps are currently developed. So right now, if you are fortunate enough to have some money to be able to go out and build an app, assuming you are actually paying for it and not doing it yourself, you pay for that app upfront, right? Like you usually put a deposit yeah. down and then you pay in increments and then the app is delivered and you pay for it. And then you go and you put it in the app store and you kind of cross your fingers and see what happens. And you yeah. hope that your marketing plan is going to make that investment worthwhile. Yeah. What we are doing is we are allowing people to use blank completely for free, build their app. They don't even begin to pay a dollar until it goes into the app store. And because they are paying in monthly installments and it's the price that they pay is based on users and usage. So it's just based on the amount of users that your app has. And also um, there's some things in there about like how much storage you need. You know, if you're a photo sharing app or something like that, or a video sharing app, it's going to be a little bit higher regardless of the amount of users that you have, but you pay as your app grows. So wow. for a, yeah, so it's like completely different than what people are doing right now. So it also gives the ability to, to people and entrepreneurs to try things out, right? The only yeah. people now that are really taking a dive are people that are committing to saying, you know what, I'm going to make this my business venture. I'm going all in, you know, I'm taking out a loan, I'm mortgaging the house, I'm putting this on my credit card, I'm taking investment, whatever they're doing. And there's no real way to even just have kind of like a hobby app or test something out, or you could have like three different ideas and try them all within a year if you wanted to and kind of see what happens. And that's not even possible now. So uh, definitely we are making it possible for someone to launch an app in the same way that you could launch a website on Shopify. <laughs> you know, you can kind of launch it and sure it's a time investment and you don't want to just do it with no thought around it, but you can launch a store on Shopify and it could completely tank and you're not really like that worse off than you were before, <laughs> you know, like you're yeah. not claiming bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah. And right now that's not possible with apps. So so there, there you go, startup founders. All right, awesome, awesome. So where do you guys see this space heading? I mean, things are changing rapidly uh, in, in the tech world. Six months seems like it's a lifetime. Uh, where, where do you guys see the, the, the space heading? How do you guys see yourselves evolving in the space and, and, and really making an impact? Sure, it did cut out for a second there, but I'm pretty sure you said, how do we see, where do we see the space heading? Yeah, yeah. Right, so uh, right now, everyone is very used to things happening immediately. We live in an instant gratification world. Absolutely. So with everything happening, so yeah, everything is very rapid, yet to build an app and to launch it, there will be argument around this, but it's somewhere, let's say, between three to six or even nine months, depending on the complexity of your application. And then you launch that, you only realize, oh, we want to make a couple changes. Okay, it's another, you know, two weeks for the updates, a week of testing, we're pushing a new version. And that's every time you want to change something in your app. And with the amount of apps that are being developed and also the way that we now rely on technology, everything is being built around technology, that is never going to keep up. It's just not possible. We cannot keep developing software with humans. We are too slow. It would be like if we had to do every single banking calculation by hand. Like it would never work with the, with the speed of where our world is going. So there is a huge push to teach people to code. And I agree with that to a certain extent. I think that people should understand code. And I think that people that are interested in it should definitely be learning it. And it should just be more of 
a commonplace things in our school system. But we cannot rely on humans doing all the software development from now on. That's It's just never going to be able to keep up. It's like, we can't just throw more people at the problem. You know, nine women aren't going to give you a baby in a month. So it's still a process <laughs> and there still needs to be <laughs> there needs to be a way to do it faster. And the way to do that is with software automation. So I don't think that this is going, we're not going to be someone that comes in and says, oh, blank is now automating app development. And, oh, it's so groundbreaking. And, you know, it's going to be this standalone product. We do believe that this is just where the world is going. This is how it is going to have to happen, especially for more types of products that are being built I don't want to say repeatedly because a lot of people would argue that their app is different, but the, the structure, you know, the bones of it yeah. is similar. You know, you could take one marketplace and put it up against another marketplace. And there's a lot of similarities there. One Uber for X and another Uber for X there, you know, there's a lot of similarities. So there will be, there's, there's, and there's a whole world for software developers to be working in, you know, they're, they're not going to lose jobs. I mean, we have, we have all kinds of new things. We have all kinds of things with voice and with AI and like all these new areas that we need people to be working on. We don't have enough people to be building Uber for X apps. Yeah. I mean, right now AI is, is absolutely going crazy. Companies are investing hundreds of millions of dollars. It is. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely going to yeah, change it, things. It goes back to the point where people are, are used to getting things really, really quickly. So, I mean, that's definitely going to make things interesting in, in terms of that. Um, all right. Awesome. Thank you very much, Kim. It's been a pleasure. Just quickly before we head off, where can people find you on social media? Where can people access uh, Get Blank or Blank? Um, just give us a few links, websites, social media channels. So yeah, the, the company is blank, but our website, as you mentioned, is get blank. So this is getblank.com. And our Twitter and Instagram for the business is at get blank. Uh, it's sometimes a little tricky to find, but I'm people should be able to find me on there. So both my Twitter and Instagram is at Kim Big K. That's K-I-M-B-I-G and then the letter K. And that's I'm primarily on Instagram. I'm on Twitter every now and then, primarily on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you search Kim Parnell. And I actually, I, I also do have a newsletter, very recent. I just started it. So uh, that can be, I'm trying to think of where they can sign up for that. I guess yeah. on our on our website at the moment, I do have a website as well. It's just not fully up yet. So I'll, I'll uh, put that that, in the, that'll be KimBigK.com. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the, in the description for you so, so people can basically access it. Sure, yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. All right, Kim, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure and all the best with Blank. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. No worries. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye.